Hello, welcome to Spotlight, providing the artistic tinsel on the run-up to Christmas. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening we have a chat with the new Arts Council intern. A sneak preview at a major new hang of art at the Manx Museum. And catch up with how the artistic year has been for the Erin Arts Centre in Port Erin. And also what's coming up in 2024. Remember, do get in touch with any creative artistic endeavours you may be involved in, planning, hoping to create, or would really like to put in the spotlight. This programme, of course, poetic, visual, theatrical, musical, literary, film, mime, ceramics, lots of other stuff, Howard Kane at manxradio.com or spotlight at manxradio.com, whatever you like. Do get in contact, though, because I'd love to hear from you. Well, apologies for the absence last week due to the dreaded covid But happily, normal service has been resumed. The new Arts Council intern now is well ensconced in his role. I caught up with him shortly after he'd started his position back in early November, but we haven't had a chance to hear from him yet, so let's put that straight right away. And we may as well allow him to introduce himself to us. I'm Callum Rowe, uh, new Arts Graduate intern at the Arts Council. Well, many congratulations. We're down at the Villa Marina. So you literally are new. You started, what, just last Monday? Yep, last Monday. So it's just a week and a bit into the job, really. Uh, Learning a lot, and I'm very happy to be there. So what attracted you to the role in the first place? Uh, So I'm a musician by trade. I went to the Royal Northern College of Music in Manchester to do their four-year degree course, a Bachelor's of Honours in Popular Music. Um, if it wasn't for the Arts Council student grant, I was w- one of the uh, first three in the first year to be awarded that grant. And if it wasn't for that, I would have never have got a degree in music or been able to go and study. So after coming back to the island and working for a while just to kind of make ends meet, I saw the job open up and thought it would be a really good way to pay it back. And I've got a, I've got a deep connection to the island's uh, creative kind of scenes as well. And I want to see people succeed in their ambitions. And you say music when you've been doing music at uni, what sort of music? Are you sort of a, a Catholic taste or particularly down the pop route or classical, folk, jazz, all the above? Um, so my parents are musicians. Uh, my dad's a bass player, my mum plays keys and she sings backing vocals as well. So I've grown up with like Stevie Wonder, everything really, any genre, any band, any artist on road trips with my family when I was growing up. Uh, I was studying guitar at uni, uh, electric guitar, and I sing as well. Uh, I do a bit of everything. Uni was very heavy on the kind of jazz stuff to kind of hammer it in that once you can play jazz, you can play everything. Uh, It broke my brain for a couple of years, but I think I'm just about getting there now. (laughs) And do you like jazz? Uh, I do now. (laughs) I didn't at the time, but you have to find your own road in. And there's a lot of cool, like, modern stuff happening with, like, fusion between hip-hop and jazz in the London scene right now, which was my way in, really. So here you are now taking up the internship. So are you sort of given free reign or do you have certain things you're expected to do or how does it work? Or maybe you're just finding that out now. Uh, I'm just finding out at the moment. I'm kind of wandering around bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, kind of trying to just immerse myself in everything that I can. Uh, so I'm going to a lot of the meetings. Um, I've been given a lot of free reign with kind of podcast episodes, that kind of thing. And then to have, start thinking about my own projects that I'll be undertaking in the next couple of years as well. And anything particular with regard to projects, anything that you've got in mind or anything you'd like to sort of 
specialise on or really highlight during your time as the uh, intern? I'd love to put on a kind of multi-arts event instead of just a gig or just an art exhibition or just kind of a night of dance or theatre. I'd love to try and combine everything into one and really showcase everything the island has to offer. And what's your view on the island art scene in general? Because it's, I mean, actually, by and large, people say the island punches well above its weight. And if you go around, you'll find pretty much anything if you go looking hard enough. What's your view on the scene here? In terms of population, the Isle of Man is significantly impressive in the amount of output that creatives have. Um, growing up here, I was offered so many opportunities to go and play gigs that I wouldn't have got um, otherwise. I mean, if you're in the UK growing up, if you were under 18, most venues are just like blanket, shut you out and say no. Whereas over here, you have such a community and people that really want to see you succeed as well. And I think that everyone kind of builds each other up instead of it being a competition, per se. Because on a small island as well, if you start competing, that's where you stop being offered gigs. And so you're hoping to be able to play music yourself or play with their own bands or other bands whilst you're in post, as it were? Uh, yeah, so I'm playing in a few bands at the moment. I've got a few projects underway. A lot of the projects are kind of quite quiet at the moment because I'm trying to kind of get them off the ground and start them so it's a lot of background work in my own time but um, over the next couple of years I'm hoping to put on more original music events over here I've already put on one event and I'm putting on another uh, tonight actually um, of bringing some bands over from Manchester uh, some original bands doing kind of jazz soul funk music just to kind of offer something different and bring a bit of that city kind of buzz to the island Terrific. Well, it sounds wonderful. I know early doors. Uh, I can tell you're really looking forward to it. We look forward to uh, catching up with you later on and uh, seeing what you're up to over the next couple of years. Brilliant. Thanks, Howard. Lovely to meet you. And we look forward to hearing more from Callum over the next year or two. I'm sure he'll have plenty of fresh ideas and schemes to bring to the island's art scene. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Well, if you need an artistic break from your Christmas shopping this weekend... You could do a lot worse than drop into the Max Museum in Douglas, where a new major art hang will open its doors for the first time. The pictures will be in the gallery now vacated after the end of the wonderful Museum 100 exhibition, which has just finished, of course. Well, I dropped in as Katie King, curator of art and social history, who was busy overseeing the hanging of the paintings for a sneak preview. This space that we're in now and that Museum 100 was in is our dedicated um, National Art Gallery. So it opened, um, this, this extension to the museum was, was opened in 1989 by, by the Queen actually um, for the Isle of Man's first dedicated art gallery. Um, so normally this is where we hang our, some elements of our art collection. So for Museum 100 our art collection was very condensed and we only had about 40 pieces in here. So we decided that this year we wanted to really, um, with the art coming back, we wanted to really celebrate that. So um, we've got a, just over 6,000 artworks in our collections, in our stored collections. Um, and that is not just fine art, so it's not just oil paintings by noted Manx artists. It also includes tiny sketchbooks, um, sketches by Victorian tourists, and sketches by um, talented lady artists from the, um, from the 18th century. Um, it, there's very small sketches that show the Isle of Man, um, again in the 18th century, from, from other artists that visited the island. So not everything in our collection is a great big oil painting that lends itself to being put on display 
in a gallery like this. So um, in reality, there's probably only about 500, 600 artworks that um, are easy to exhibit, by which I mean that their condition is good, their um, frames are in good condition, um, they can cope with being in the light in, an, in the art gallery for sustained periods of time, um, and that they're aesthetically pleasing as well. So um, our collection is an unusual mixture of fine art, folk art, and naive art as well. So I've, for the past year or so, I've been working with um, our conservator team here, Chris Weeks and Emma Lacornu, to really analyse our collection. Um, we, get a, we get a number of things, since I've become the curator of art and social history, um, occasionally I get ribbed a little bit by people I meet or um, people you know that know I do this job and they say, oh, everything, you keep everything in that dark store and we can't see anything. Or they say, um, oh, you've got so many artworks and you always show, show the same ones over and over again. Why is that? So we really wanted to sort of unpick that and see um, if we could show some artworks that have never been on public display before or have not been on display for 20 years and to figure out why. So it was really a desk-based exercise for a while. So um, we've got a fantastic database here that where all information about all our collections are kept. So it was a matter of delving through that database to establish which artworks hadn't been seen for a long time and why. And that's when the conservators and myself started to really address these issues. So 40% um, so of the art that you'll see in the National Art Gallery, which opens um, at this weekend, won't have been seen before by by you probably if you're unless you're um, over 100 years unless you're 100 years old. Not yet. Um, Working on it. Because there's been problems with those arts with those art pieces. They're damaged. They might have a hole through it. They might have. Um, the frame might be completely broken. Um, framing is quite difficult on the island um, to get these sort of very. We, we don't have any um, frame conservators on the mm -hmm. island that can, can fix these sort of very beautiful um, and old frames. Um, and is that why some of them perhaps haven't been on display yeah, before? Simply that's, they've that's been there. That's the absolute and, reason why. So when we are a donation organisation, really, so very rarely we buy art for the collection. We don't have any budget to do so. If we do want to buy art for the collection, um, as I say, it's very rare that that happens. We rely on our friends organization, the Friends of Max National Heritage, who sometimes very generously help us purchase significant items for the collection. But mostly we rely on people donating things to us. And in the early days of the museum, in the 1920s, the 1930s, they were really keen to, to build an art collection. So they were accepting pieces in any condition whatsoever if it was really damaged for example they they would still accept it so some artworks have been in our collection since the 1930s and have never been on display because they're absolutely knackered um, to have them restored we would have to send them off island um, and restoration of an artwork can range between £2,000 to £12,000 and, and up up and up and up um, and if the artwork itself isn't in if the actual aesthetic piece isn't that strong in the first place it never seems to, it will never get progressed to that stage because we don't have the, the, the money to do that. Um, so that's one of the reasons. Another reason is, is simpler. A lot of the artworks aren't framed. They've never been framed. They are in our drawers. So they've come to us unframed. They are a sketch or they are something else. Um, so we've actually had loads of artwork frames. So 
loads <laughs> so that's great so for the, the some some pieces simply haven't been shown for that reason and um, we've also this is a great opportunity to show new things we've acquired in recent years which includes a brilliant painting here of um, Marjorie Forbes the Duchess of Athol so this oh, yes. has so this she was the wife of the last Duke of Athol John Murray the fourth Duke um, she was one of the people well her and her husband helped um, construct the Castle Mona so that's where she lived um, so this particular painting is very beautiful. It's been in um, the Forbes family home, or been with the Forbes family ancestors for all that time since since the eighteen since the early eighteen hundreds. Um, and this is the first time it's ever been on public display, and it was donated to us very generously earlier this year. Um, if we step over the the barrier that I've got in place, because we're not quite ready yet. <laughs> um, we've also got this beautiful portrait of Henry Stanley. Yes. Oh, Derby dates from 1593. Some very, very old artworks painted on board. And this has just returned to the Isle of Man. It's been um, away this year for conservation. It was too badly damaged to show before, but it's been beautifully conserved. It and, is fantastic. That was yeah. amazing. And it's been fun, all been paid for by the Friends of Max Ash Heritage, who really generously helped us this year with this project. So, yeah, first time it's been on public display. And this little, um, this little pencil sketch by Anthony van Dyck, who's very famous artist and he's painted um countess charlotte so she was the wife of james stanley um who was beheaded and Liam doan you know that character um so this is a really really rare artwork by a very famous artist and um we're really lucky here on the isle of man that our paper conservator emma lacornu is also an expert in um works on paper art on paper so she has conserved this on island um and it looks Fantastic. It looks stunning, doesn't yeah. it? And just yeah. pencil that, do you say? So it's it's char a bit of charcoal, charcoal. and pastel, pastel wow. as well. So it's been on display before, but not for many years because it was um, it was too damaged. So that's been restored on island by our in-house team. The new gallery is due to open to the public this coming Saturday, and we'll enjoy a second taster of the exhibition here on Spotlight next week, where they look at some damaged works which can be seen, and also some which are highly light sensitive. By the way, the final podcast, that's the 100th in the M100 series, Museum 100, will be going live shortly, where I chatted to Katie and also Alison Fox and Laura McCoy, curators at MNH, about the series. You'll be able to check that out on the Manx Radio website or indeed check any of the 100 podcasts to celebrate 100 years of the Manx Museum. Wonderful stuff it is too. Finally this week, I called by the Air and Arts Centre at the beginning of the week to find out what was happening in the run-up to Christmas, how the year had been for the centre, one of a handful of small arts centres on the island, and what was coming up in 2024. Here's Pip Rolf. I mean, our sort of Christmas institutions are the Russian Silver Band shows, which were last weekend, both fantastic. Uh, and that really, for me, is the start of Christmas the place gets decorated and it's carols and sing-alongs and uh, so that's that, that that's the beginning our next thing is the christmas market the christmas craft fair on saturday saturday the 9th um so we've got about 22 23 stalls uh, we'd say food and drink all day and there's events going on all over port erin um so there will be things at the railway station they normally have sort of bands and uh, there's a Santa's Grotto. And then I think there's a sort of fun fair type thing on Church Road. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully it'll bring a lot of people into the village and lots of people in here.
And is that in the art gallery or throughout the building? Or? It's right through the building. So we basically turn the whole place into a market. So we have stalls in the gallery right through. Um, the bar, obviously, is our sort of cafe area. So we serve um, food and drink in there all day. And then we turn the auditorium with the seats back into like a big, a big market um, with a sort of wagon train that's not what you call it, is it? You know, a sort of circle of uh, stalls in the middle and then stalls around the edge. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so if you are the kind of person like me who leaves your Christmas gifts to the last minute, come down and get yourself a fine handcrafted gift. Uh, for... I haven't started yet. Never mind the last minute. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. No, nor have I. <laughs> and then coming up after that, uh, I think you were mentioning some screenings as well. Well, actually, before that, oh. we have, I, I was on a festive tip, you see, so I got, got a bit carried yeah. away there. Uh, we've got Oppenheimer. Um, so I think we saved the, the year's blockbuster uh, to, to, to last. So it's our, our last midweek movie of the year. Um, so we have two screenings of Christopher Nolan's massive Oppenheimer on Wednesday. And that's, again, it's sort of the screenings, will they be continuing into 2024? Yeah, basically. So the, our midweek movie, uh, which is the Wednesday thing, that tends to be, we tend to do two shows. So we'll do a matinee for people who don't like to go out so much in the evening or, you know, prefer, prefer the afternoon shows. Um, and then we do the 7.30 show. And they tend to be not necessarily more family-oriented, family but um, maybe slightly sort of bigger f f films, and then the Friday Film Club, which we do uh, every couple of months, um, is uh, sort of more of an art house feature. So we sometimes do foreign language films or sort of new uh, films by new directors or sometimes old, cla old classics, <laughs> old classics. Keep it in. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing my best. Uh, suppose you come to this time of the year then. Is it something, I, I guess, a lot of... The first part of 2024 will already be well underway, is it, or is it already planned? Uh, yeah, it certainly is. So obviously we're back back to the screenings. We have the live opera screenings as well. So the, the live from the New York Met feature. Um, and then we have the piano series uh, where we have uh, a young pianist coming over. Uh, we have a young Russian uh, gentleman. Um, so they come over and give uh, an open masterclass on Saturday morning, this is towards the end of the month, um, and in then, January, that is in yeah. January, yeah. yeah, and then a recital in the evening. So the masterclass is free, and basically what they do is they kind of unpack the program that they're going to play in the evening, maybe explore, explore some of the themes um, from for, for, from the evening program. So it's a real, it, it's it's a great opportunity, especially for young musicians, I think, to get close to somebody who um, has maybe just sort of not that far into their professional career. Um, and and see how they approach what they do and talk to them about what it's like being a young professional musician and then everybody else i mean it's you no know, the, the the master classes are open to everybody but i think they it's appeal particularly to you know maybe younger younger people mm -hmm. and then we have um the the recital in the evening and then towards the end of the month right at the end of the month we have young singer of man of course 2024 yeah. Wow. Um, so we decided to run that. I think that's going to run yearly now because I think it was always biannually. Every other year. Well, that's what it was. Um, but we're doing it every year. Um, and the last one was a, a, just a great event and a, and a, and a great success. So uh, we've got the same panel, uh, same adjudicators, um, and the same format. And hopefully get lots of entrants again. 
how far do you have to do you have to actually plan ahead for somewhere like the Air and Art Centre when it's because it's always busy? There's, as you say, various actions going on. You've got groups using the building during the week. You've got the artists coming through. You've got the screenings. You've got things like the Manan Festival. Are you planning normally sort of three months ahead, six months ahead, year ahead, longer? Uh, I think all of the above. Um, because we have, so we have the regular events like the screenings, which we try and timetable on the same day every month. So they kind of look after themselves. Obviously, you've got to decide what programs you're putting on. Um, but apart from that, the dates tend to be set. Um, the Mananan Festival, I'm sort of fairly well into that already. Um, and then obviously, you get last minute bookings. So and some of them are opportunities that you might get to bring somebody over, you know, who's maybe touring. And some of them might be local artists who have suddenly decided they want to put a show on. So I like to, I like to do all of those things because I think if you I think if all you do is plan programs in advance and all you can you can see things that are on like eight months down the line, it's sometimes I, I like to keep it a, a little bit fresh as well, so that you know you you're always got to come and look at our listings and see what we're doing because. And we're kind of always trying to add to it. And I think that just, it just keeps things a little bit more exciting. And you get to this time of the year, the end of the sort of calendar year, and sort of look back sometimes at the, the year that's just gone and have a sort of look and think, well, things, some things that might work, some things that didn't work quite so well. Do you, do you sort of have a chance to do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. an honest answer. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Um, I, I don't know. I think the problem with it, working at, when you're attached to any venue is that you never really get a chance to bask in anything because mm. it's gone and then the next After thing the next is one. like it's literally one poster gets ripped off the notice board and then something else goes up um but yeah we we do and you obviously reflect on the things like you say the things that have worked and maybe the things that need a bit of work um but it's been a it's been a good year here and I was going to say that because it's, again, we all know it's been pretty straight in times of late. A lot of people, you know, maybe didn't have the money to spend that they had a few years ago. Has it been more difficult to get people in through the door? Yeah, I think it has. I think you've, it, what helps us is that we we are quite a small venue. So I don't have that strain of having to get five, six hundred people in every time I put an event on. Um, so we can be a little bit more maybe a little bit more creative and a bit more we can tailor our events uh you know a little bit maybe a little bit easier um so we can maybe not just do sometimes we don't do screenings simply we just try and add something to it like maybe have like i remember when you you your um when the shanties came and sang down here you yeah, know before, great before a film yeah but i think in a small venue you know you're able to do that you're able to maybe sort of create a bit more of an experience and I think that definitely helps us um but yeah it has been it's definitely has been harder it has been trickier to get yeah people in mm. the, certainly the same people and I think what's helped us is sort of broadening the programming a little bit we've noticed a lot more sort of different people through the doors which is that's got to be a good thing I think any particular highlights sort of stick in your mind through the 2023 season I think the obvious ones are the Mananin. You know, we had Simon, I mean, it was just such a varied programme, it's Simon Armitage. So I basically got to hang out with Simon Armitage for the day. Can't be bad. And sit on the wall eating chips, you know, talking about friends that we knew from Huddersfield, which was really quite a treat. And then he delivered an amazing performance in the evening. And then we were right through to uh, Tim Horton, you know, playing, uh, giving a piano recital. Um, and uh, this sort of amazing um, fiddle group rant, you know, these four women who were just incredible. 
and I think the October Jazz Festival with with Robin Nolan. Uh, Robin Nolan was just sort of sensational, and uh, and Tempo Phillies, who were the a sort of samba band who came on on, on Saturday. So yeah, that, that they were big highlights because they were both you know both big to organise, but I felt like. I got a chance to enjoy them as mm. well. Oppenheimer is screening this very evening and there are lots of exciting new things happening at the Erin Arts Centre, so stay tuned in 2024. We will certainly be featuring them here on Spotlight. Call in and see what's happening. If you're in the area down south, it's a real artistic jewel in the south. Or if you're not getting down there, have a look online, erinartscentre.com. That's about it for this week. Don't forget, if you want to hear anything again, Go to maxradio.com, download the Spotlight podcast, listen where and when you want. Why not try it whilst doing your late Christmas shopping? Or, if you like a pip and me, starting your Christmas shopping. See you next week. Until then, look after yourselves and whatever you're doing. Be creative about it. Cheerio. Cheerio.